Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. When we die, do we just switch dimensions? What's wrong with doing seances? Why does the human race exist? Hey there, and welcome to the 562nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those burning and deep questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Our scheduled guest this evening, uh, Christopher O'Brien, is uh, on the subject of cattle mutilations, but he had to reschedule for uh, December 15th, so uh, it will be riveted on December 15th to um, something we've actually never really talked about. So this evening, we're pleased to bring you another open line show, and uh, we welcome your phone calls on any paranormal subject. This evening, the numbers are 401-766-1240 locally, and from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800 449 one two four zero, and we'll also be monitoring emails uh, at paul at behindtheparanormal dot com. Okay, now two of those questions I asked initially were, the, were asked last week as well because we also had an open line show, uh, but yeah, we, we never got to all yes. this stuff. So yes, we never got. To so it's a small blessings. Uh, let, let's be grateful for. Anyway, uh, Facebook continues to rumble with questions for the Enos, and uh, we have our first one from Dave from we don't know where. Uh, Dave from the Nether uh, writes to us, I have a question about something you guys were talking about regarding poltergeist activity related to UFOs. A friend of mine has had a few UFO encounters and um, he is getting really, he's getting, or he is getting activity. Uh, pictures uh, flying off the walls, etc. We found three, uh, three dot triangles imprinted in dust on a picture, uh, which the witness swear that they, the witnesses swear they have not tampered with. Is that anything you guys have heard of? I can uh, tell you more, but I want to be as brief as possible. Well, we appreciate that, especially Ben. Yes. All right. Well, I'll begin with just a, a statement that this is something that be something being the connections between phenomena that seemingly were unrelated previously or were thought of, thought of, thought of as being unrelated. Uh, is that our? It's not uh, as not being unrelated are are seen more recently as being related. Uh, I like to think we're somewhere in the leadership of that <laughs> school of thought because we began noticing early on that uh, when you had UFOs, you often had poltergeist phenomena or uh, hauntings in the area, and one of the uh, leading uh, areas that made us think that was, was of course, the Ohio Valley of the USA, where in the mid-1960s to the late 1960s, and, and some say ongoing, you had the Mothman so-called phenomenon. Uh, the media christened this creature that was seen around there as Mothman, because somehow it was moth-like, apparently had no head, and at least it had eyes, but no place, nothing where a head would be, no appendage. And uh, it would fly at great speeds, chase cars, and, uh, you know, and hundreds of people were witnesses to various phenomena having to do with this. However, also in that area, at the same time, were poltergeist activity, UFOs, seemingly uh, increased psychic abilities by people, and things of this kind, all taking place in the same area at the same time, and it's something that we call a flap, paranormal flap, or UFO flap, whatever. But we think all these 
phenomena are connected in the sense that they use the same processes by which to manifest, or, or, or actually conversely, the, the same processes that in the area of permit various forms of the paranormal, so-called paranormal, to, uh, to manifest. And uh, just in sort of in line with this question, we're expecting a call shortly from uh, our good friend Tanya Bowman from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which was the center of this activity in the 60s, uh, who was the daughter of uh, Woodrow Durenberger, and if anyone has read the book Mothman Prophecies or seen the film The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere, um, it was uh, what was it? What was the character's name played by Bill Patton? Uh, Mr. Leak. Was no, 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 no. That, that was that was the author. Oh, there was no, the guy who was supposed to be uh, John Keel, the author of the book. But anyway, yeah, I have no um, idea. Woodrow Durenberger is uh, portrayed by character uh, by Will, Bill Patton, uh, or is it Will Patton, under another name. And uh, he uh, had the the Indrid Cold experience. He supposedly was dealing with a. He was driving down the road and a craft was in the middle of the road, and he was befriended by this uh, so someone who claimed to be an alien, whose uh, name was Indrid Cold, and in a sort of a chilly name there. And uh, Tanya is his daughter, and the family went through a great deal during that period when she was little. But in any case, she's going to call in tonight about a different subject. So that's who she is when she does call in. So uh, the answer, long answer to a short question, Dave, yes, uh, this frequently happens. I, I see you noticing pictures flying off the wall, etc. The dust imprints are kind of weird. Yeah, the dust imprints are kind of strange. However, I, I don't know, quite get that. Uh, well, you know, there are all sorts of things you might not find because you don't look for them. Most investigators go in and they look for ghosts or UFO investigators go in and look for UFOs, but it doesn't even occur to them to ask about other sorts of phenomena. No, I just don't quite understand what he means. Well, you can have, I suppose, dot triangles imprinted on, in dust on pictures. You know how dusty pictures get. You know, in our own library, because yeah, but I mean, mom's always after us about not. Dusting. I don't. I don't know. I, maybe I'd need to see it to understand, because that just okay. sounds kind of. Uh, I think I, I see weird. what he's getting at. You know, was, there may be no connection whatsoever, because you know you can take this too far and, and, and establish connections in your mind where there are none. Between yeah. these phenomena. Of course, right. we're not there, so we can't. Well, really, that's really, precisely really say that. the, the problem, you know. However, I have heard of things like this. To answer Dave's question, um, you know, a moth. Since we're speaking about moth, and a moth landing on a picture can create uh, movements in the dust on the frame or on the the glass of the picture. So again, I don't know, but uh, these triangles do seem to be a theme. Of, and we've been talking about this a lot with Kathy Marden lately. Kathy Marden, the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, the famous abduction case from the 1960s, and she is now a, a distinguished UFO researcher and author, uh, and she's a MUFON's director of, of abduction investigations, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. And she and uh, she's a good friend of ours, and we've been going back and forth lately on various marks found on people's bodies uh, from supposedly made during abduction experiences, and there are some typical marks. And I happened to notice in the um, early 2000s uh, in dealing with Bud Hopkins, the great uh, investigator of that subject who since passed away, that many of these marks uh, seem to be similar to those obtained in poltergeist cases. Uh, occasionally one has the, uh, or actually rather frequently in my experience, uh, has the triangular bruise or some sort of marks that look like they were made almost by machinery. But yet, it's just a poltergeist case. Poltergeist, of course, for those who don't know, being uh, the sort of um, quote-unquote haunted manifestation that takes place 
uh, in extreme conditions where you've got things flying around the room and furniture being moved without anybody moving and things of this kind. I've witnessed that on, on several occasions and been injured even in, in such cases. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give this a big yes to Dave. Um, and I would like to find out a little bit more. If you'd like to write again, we can find out. But, uh, yeah, there, there, I think there are definitely connections. And uh, as we often say, Ben, I think we've got context, contextual issues sometimes. When something takes place in our living room, we think ghost. And if it's outside in a field, maybe it's aliens, especially if there's a, there are balls of light in the air or things yeah. like this. It all depends on our point of view. And that usually doesn't explain anything because our point of view is very inadequate and quite limited. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, so, so there we are. So uh, I'd keep an eye on that if I were you, Dave. Next one is from Carrie in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Okie dokes. Carrie writes to us, Paul, I heard your talk at the Exeter UFO conference, and I was truly awakened to how broad the paranormal is and how limited our perception of it can be. My question is, uh, when does certainty end and speculation begin when it comes to a paranormally active era? A- Era. Area. Area. That's the word. Area. I can speak English. In other words, if we hear about a haunted event or a UFO in a town 10 miles away, how do we know if it is related to the flap going on in our town? Uh, where do you draw the line? Okay, that's a good question, and, and that's why I put it after Dave's question, because they're, they're more or less related. I, that, that's a very... I don't know. That's um, Well, we, you know what we do? We tend to organize these things in terms of triangles, okay? Because that does seem to be a um, a, a, a part of the phenomenon. I mean, we've only done it a couple of times. I mean, I yeah, like yeah. We need to do it a couple more times to see if it. Would yeah, be... to really see. Yeah. So, in other words, we have. Uh, I'm thinking, of course, there are the larger so-called triangles: uh, the, the Freetown State Forest area in Massachusetts, the Massachusetts, the so-called Bridgewater Triangle, not not far from us. We've uh, taken a few looks at that, and the one we're working on at this point um, is is in Central Connecticut, Litchfield County, Connecticut, and the triangle we identified there with some interesting phenomena accompanying our investigations, was uh, a sort of maybe five square miles or so, not, not very large. But the thing you have to bear in mind is the entire planet is haunted, really, in, in every kind of sense of the word. When I say haunt, I don't mean the spirits of the dead and this kind of thing, but what we refer to the paranormal as the paranormal is really quite normal, and it is the normal state of things. It's our limited understanding and experience of it in the modern age that makes it such a mystery. And I think if you go back to our remote ancestors, no matter what your descent may be, no matter what your ethnic background, you're going to find that our predecessors knew about this and in some cases even knew how to use it, certainly how to live with it. Sometimes it wasn't very pleasant, but there it was. So I don't really know how to answer that question. I think it's a matter of judgment. Um, these things happen, whether it's in sort of an overlay uh, energy process that uh, goes outside the boundaries of, say, the Litchfield, Connecticut situation, and there may be things going on within the triangle that have nothing to do, maybe, uh, energy-wise or process-wise, with other things that are going on in the triangle. All I we think know- the main problem with this question is... This the the part of the the part of the question where it says a paranormally active area, that's that's the that's that's what I think the big the big portion of this is not not explaining that there are triangles and stuff, well, but the fact that 
if you have a place that's more active than somewhere else, um, how can you tell when things when you're just speculating on whether things are related or not? Well, that's why that's why it's a difficult question to answer. Right. There there are factors in here besides the the general overall situation in the area. There are there are factors. Um, Underneath a particular site, geotechnical factors, as we often say, high water tables with clay or sandy soils that can uh, intensify the flow and activity of electromagnetic fields, which, at least according to what we believe we've found, uh, affect space and time, really, in this multiverse that we talk about, of, uh, that physics, um, at least what some physicists speculate about, and we think we see it in these cases. So uh, really, that's uh, it's a matter of judgment and taking each case as it as it happens. And ultimately, at least we want to uh, be of some assistance to the people rather than just research this. And the research to to me, and I don't know about you, Ben, but to me is is pretty much a, a byproduct of the assistance that is needed at any given time. What's what's interesting about the Litchfield. Connecticut area case is that you've got activity, and we'll touch on this. I have a, re, a more recent report on this uh, that, that we're going to share with you tonight that has to do with with uh, strange military activity in the area, and uh, I'll, I'll get into some of that when someone asks. I want to get into it right now. One of the things I found out only um, uh, yesterday when I was meeting with Bill Hall, uh, Bill uh, Hall is the author of the new book, The World's Most Haunted House, which has to do with a poltergeist case that I was involved with with Ed Lorraine Warren in 1974. Uh, excellent book, published by uh, New Page Books, available in all bookstores, pretty much. And he's, um, uh, at my uh, prompting, is, and he moves pretty fast, I was surprised. He's writing a book now about this Litchfield, Connecticut area. Uh, a book about that, and New Pages uh, wants him to write it. So the the issue there is um, that we're constantly discovering new new things. One of the things that happens in these flap areas is not just ghosts and poltergeists and UFOs, but time phenomena, time slips, uh, odd occurrences with space and time. One of the things that he told me about yesterday was it was a, a witness who was driving as a young boy around this area. And, and these these things have been, this has been around for a long time. Didn't just start in '05 when we got there. And what was happening was that he, they drove up to a road. I believe this is in the 1960s. Uh, no, it wasn't either. It was uh, perhaps the 70s. He didn't tell me exactly when because we were in the middle of something else. But his his father and he drove up to uh, a, a road that was blocked off by fire engines. And they were told by a man who didn't quite look at them straight, and I've heard this, all the, heard this a lot, that they could not stay in the area they had to leave. And one thing that he noticed, uh, the witness noticed about the fire trucks was they were very, very old. Like, like the style of the trucks was 20 or 30 years in the past, you know, with the rounded hoods and things of this kind. And they uh, went out, took a few turns, and they ended up mistakenly right back where they were, and all the fire apparatus were gone. So an interesting phenomenon there. And, and I've heard that before, that when people are having these experiences, uh, interworld experiences as we see them, uh, there can be different times, into, but none of that means anything. You've got a world intersect going on, and the, the people don't seem to really necessarily see them or seem to be looking through them or think they're seeing someone else. Or, or uh, it's it's very interesting phenomena. So that is something that we happened uh, 
happened to come across just uh, just yesterday. Okay. And now we have, uh, let's leave the Facebook for a minute and go to the emails here. We have one from Daniel, and uh, I do not know where Daniel is from, but he's got a question about our multiverse theory. A while back, I was listening to your show, and you had said along the lines of when we die in one dimension, our souls move on to the us in a different dimension. Also, during a Coast to Coast interview, Ben, uh, Coast to Coast AM, the show with... um, national show with uh art well was with art bell now with george nury uh ben said that he remembered having a car accident and as he was crashing he was all of the sudden back in his car and driving down the road which to me seemed to indicate that he had crashed and died and his soul moved on to him onto the him in a different dimension okay let, let's stop right there i'll give you the rest yay all right, all right l- let's deal with it. there's a lot a lot to chew on there okay one of the hardest things to understand I think in in this theory of the paranormal that we use, this theory of the multiverse, is that you're not moving really anywhere. You are fully conscious in many, many different lives, and it's really one big life. Okay, you know, when I say lives, I'm not talking about past lives because they're they're really, from a physics standpoint, there is no past. There is no future. It's all simultaneous. That's how it seems to be organized. And... When you uh, when you quote unquote die when uh, picture it as I often use the analogy of a tree, picture it as a tree, and it's all you, and all these different leaves on the tree are say various lives you're living in various times various parts of the multiverse various um, worlds I say some of which may be very very different from ours and have entirely different laws of physics which is in a way I think how they can interact. So when one of these leaves falls off the tree, just falls down, it really doesn't affect the whole you all that much. Uh, Someone once commented in in thinking of this in terms of the UFO phenomenon, if you you really did have a UFO crash at Roswell, New Mexico, or in other places where they supposedly have occurred, uh, and they recovered alien bodies, well, the aliens uh, might not have considered this, if that's what they are, might not have considered this all that, all that serious, but sort of a minor inconvenience because they know about this tree kind of phenomenon uh, of, of the us. And, and ultimately, it's really all of us together. It's not just you know, individual people and, uh, in this, this tree kind of setup. So when, when you die, it's really not any, any kind of a change at all. And it sounds like a strange thing to say, but when you... Um, Go to a funeral and you see someone's body being buried. I mean, that, that's just one leaf out of the many leaves that make up their lives and really all our lives. Uh, that's essentially a good way, I, I think, to explain it, although a very simplistic way. So, um, dimensions. Yeah, I don't think I think the that soul, people use the word dimension incorrectly. Yeah, dimension is not, is not the same thing as a parallel world. No, dimension... We exist in a three-dimensional world right now. Well, four-dimensional, if, well, you, yeah, if you want. Well, yeah, if you want to include that four-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, going to a different dimension would be like going to a different coordinate on a map. Well, but that's a very good way to put it. That's pretty much what it what it is, simply. Yeah. And... Not saying like a a parallel world or whatever. People say interdimensional creature, meaning it's coming from a dimension, say that's like five dimensions, and coming into a three dimensional world. That would be interdimensional. Yeah. As as opposed to saying, oh well, he's going into a different world. Well, I think the thing to understand, and that's hard to understand, is that all these 
lives we're living is again not just one life. It's really I should say it really is one life, but it's uh, we're fully conscious in all these other lives. It's not not as if one ends and another begins because you're always living this life. Every moment you've ever ever lived is is still going on somewhere in the multiverse. You know, a good way to understand it, I think, or to be, maybe begin to understand it, is uh, from a conversation I had recently, and we compared it with when you're using your computer and you're using a uh, say Photoshop or some uh, program or app that manipulates images. Okay, and when you uh, very often your um, the box you go to to open a file to look at a picture or something or an image yeah. uh, is um, set to open only uh, TIFF files or GIF files or JPEGs, you know, in computer parlance. And when you have it set to open just a JPEG, all the other files of other kinds are there, but you don't see them. And if you want to see them, you change to another kind of file uh, to look at, all right? And uh, you, or you can change to all files, and uh, it'll show all the different kinds of files on that in in that folder before you open them. And uh, people who do that in their lives are often considered crazy because they're very aware of other lives, and they might be called schizophrenic. And maybe they are, but maybe then you know maybe that that's we don't understand the definition of schizophrenia. I saw that when I worked in psychiatric hospitals. So th that's one analogy. You're already living these places, and you really can't die. It really can't physically be done, you know. As I say, even for the body, and that sounds very odd. But again, you're physically alive in many, many different forms, many, many different worlds, uh, all over the place, and it's all you. So, in a way, you don't want to ask the wrong question. So, it's not a matter of switching dimensions. It's just, uh, I suppose, dropping out of one tiny speck in the multiverse and just. All the others continue normally, and this one continues too, in other ways and other places. So that's the best way I can explain it. What's uh, some more of the question there, Ben? Uh, um, well, there were two parts. One is when we move onto a different dimension, uh, do we, generally speaking, remember that fact? Oh, I think, yeah, th that's what our subconscious thing, I think, is made up of. Actually, before we get into that, he asked you if, if, if you, I know you're not comfortable to, about talking about your own experience. He didn't ask, he said. He simply said, did, did he get it right? Uh, kind of. Okay, all right. It happened simultaneously as I was driving. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know, just sort of. I remember you came home and told me about it. Yeah, that was spooky. Yeah. Well, it's um, actually rather normal. So, um, well, I mean, when, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah. So, next question, because we already sort of talked about that. Uh, the, the we already we sort of addressed this, but I'll say the question entirety before we answer. Uh, second part is the problem, as I see it, uh, is the is the theory that all these dimensions are different to a greater or lesser extent. Therefore, me of uh, one dimension could be drastically different than the me of a different dimension. This leads to my question. If we move into a separate version of ourselves when we die, what happens to the personality that inhibited the body before it, uh, before we moved in? Okay. I can see the island theory creeping in here. Mm. Uh, I think one of the problems here is, is that we're looking at this too individually. 
it's bad enough that we, under, well, it's not bad, but I mean, it's inadequate enough that we consider ourselves individuals in the modern sense of the word, you know, islands, you know, separated from each other. Inward looking. Inward looking, fully self-contained within this particular body, which uh, if you lose the body, you're fried, or, if I'm a, or you become a spiritualist kind of entity, a, a, you know, sort of spirit and that sort of thing. None of that is adequate, I don't think. So, again, it, it's a matter of realizing that, that this is all going on simultaneously, that um, you, you've got um, many, again, many different lives. It's, it's still you. That's the thing. You don't cease being you if you become a very different aspect of yourself. You know, th there are things, um, you, know, you often hear the expression, oh, I don't feel myself today. Or uh, you have anxiety for some reason you don't realize, or you're fearful of something, or you're very happy for some reason. Now, within reason, within psychiatric parameters, I mean, that, that, that happens to all of us. And again, I think we're in touch with all these lives. I think that's where we get our, our imagination, at least some of our thoughts, some of our creativity, comes from other lives where we're very good at something, or very bad at something. Or have done something very stupid. I think that our subconscious is a really good guide for us because it's in touch with all sorts of experiences we're having, and it kind of makes a great whole, or it should. And when it doesn't, that's when you become spiritually disheveled or mentally ill or something like that. But when it, when uh, you have you have uh, developed or when you have a balanced attitude and a balanced spirituality, a balanced mind. I think the definition of that, what's behind that, is that you have a balanced, a balance within all these these multiple lives we're apparently living in these parallel worlds, billions and billions of them, maybe an infinite number, and it's, it gets even better when you realize that we kind of, it's not just us, we kind of share these with each other. It's kind of like one big life, and God is in there in a very important way, to put it mildly. So that's the best. Uh, Best way I can answer that, but it takes a lot of thought and a lot of uh, experience to really, I think, understand that. Right. Okay. Is that it? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's go back to our Facebook uh, questions. Cool. Uh, oh, actually, we should take our break. Yes. Yes, we should. And Tanya has not called. I hope she does. All right. You are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, uh, open line show here on ON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. I'm Jody Henke, host of Living the Country Life. Whether you already have an acreage or dream of one, you'll learn about landscaping, gardening, raising animals, maintaining machinery, rural living, outdoor projects, and more. Living the Country Life is brought to you by Pepin Lumber, 830 Cumberland Hill Road in Winsocket. From livestock to lumber, Pepin Lumber has what you need. Come in and browse our country gift shop. Pepin Lumber, serving the people with quality products since 1947. Living the Country Life can be heard here on ON 1240 WOON every weekday at 925 in the morning and 550 in the afternoon right here on ON Radio. Okay, and before we get back to our emails, I wanted to just remind you about a number of the charities Ben and I have adopted on the show, and you can find uh, some more information on these at BehindTheParanormal.com. We have links, and NewEnglandGhosts.com, our main site. Certainly, I uh, suggest uh, checking out uh, USACares.org, wonderful veterans charity in the United States here. Uh, also, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org, locally, uh, we have a uh, marvelous uh, 
group associated with the Rhode Island Builders Association that does remodeling and construction for veterans, um, families of, of those who have been lost uh, since the war on terror began, uh, and also those who have been injured, uh, I should say wounded. Uh, also, youth mentoring connection out in Los Angeles. Uh, Tony Larea out there doing great things for at-risk youth using ancient wisdom. Okay, and no, nothing occult or weird about it. It's all very rooted in feet on the ground, that kind of thing. Doing great stuff. So check that out, youthmentoring.org. So let us get back to our Facebook messages. Yes, uh, okie dokes. So we have uh, Rajiv uh, from Mumbai, India. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. I think so. Uh, he uh, writes to us, uh, Do you consider diet as related to the paranormal experience? If so, how does a diet of heavy uh, diet heavy with uh, fat foods affect the or yeah fat foods affect the experience? What about uh, lack of protein, uh, which can make people open to suggestion? That's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, actually, I have thought about that. In the context of uh, spirituality, certainly, which I think is related to this, you know, how we perceive things beyond our physical selves, there's a matter of, um, I think Rajiv is, is correct. You've got heavy diets of meat and things of this kind, red meat particularly, uh, can weigh down the body. And, you know, it's funny. I often get this question from people who are, who are uh, involved in, in a spiritual disciplines such as fasting. Uh, particularly Christians or Buddhists or, or others who uh, attempt to uh, become uh, more open to God by uh, subduing their appetites, things of this kind. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, uh, the, uh, most Roman Catholics, and, and there are a lot of Roman Catholics in, in the area where we broadcast here in northern Rhode Island, they think you, know, you give up something for Lent. You know? And uh, the nuns would tell us, well, you're trying to emulate the sufferings of Christ. Well, that's not really the point of fasting, at least not originally. The point of fasting was, was to lighten your body, to clear it, and so you're not concerned with digestion or, you know, um, sleeping. that sort of thing, sleeping, and, and everything else that goes with a heavy meal, uh, so that you will be open to uh, divine experience, really, or, uh, and certainly open to simply um, getting outside of yourself and connecting with uh, perhaps what we've been talking about, certainly a... Uh, important um, thing to do if you're attempting to pray. Pray yeah. something else people don't even understand. They think prayer is saying words. It's nothing like that. That's only a beginning. Right. So in any case, uh, I, I once actually followed uh, the Eastern Orthodox uh, discipline fully during Lent. I was in the seminary, and uh, it was an incredible experience back in the 1970s. And uh, no dairy products, no animal products of any kind. Uh, and yet there was, you know, I made provision for protein. And another one of my classmates did this with me. And it was just, it was an amazing experience. It was easier to pray. I, you know, I, I was aware of nature and things of this kind. I, I, it, it helped me look outside myself. And that is the essence of spirituality, I think. And that is the problem with a lot of the spiritualities today, particularly the New Age uh, spiritualities, which look inward. Yeah, you know? that's the problem. I took a class, I'm taking a class on that this semester, which is um, uh, spirituality and, no, it's religion and globalization, and how uh, spiritual spiritualism, like modern day uh, spirituality for the majority of people, which is just a grab bag of different things, cuts people off from the whole so they see, they just focus on themselves, yeah. and so spirituality turns into a marketing ploy 
So it's like the more stuff you buy, the more spiritual you look. <laughs> That's right. And, of course, that defeats the whole purpose of what we were saying, which is, uh, you know, to get, is to unite yourself with yourself and with others, not necessarily to uh, separate yourself, you know, at all. That's what's destructive. So uh, people wanting to take the veneer of spirituality rather than putting the work into it, that's one of the serious problems with modern society. Right, yes, that's, that, that's, that's definitely one of the bigger bigger problems with it. Now, but, to, okay. I don't know. Uh, so to move that over to the question, which has right. to do with, with the paranormal, and uh, the, the implication might be if, if you do follow a diet of that kind and a discipline to uh, come outside of yourself, will you have more paranormal experiences? I found it easier to pray in that situation Prayer being unifying your, your your mind with that of God, not not saying words, you know, and yeah. uh, meditation, things of this kind, con- contemplative prayer, many different kinds of prayer. But the the, the words you say, the Our Father, you know, that's all very important. But it's just a, the the merest beginning of prayer, you know. So in any case, uh, that that's a good question. What, what what could that transfer over to paranormal experiences? One of the things I was always careful of, particularly in the early years, not so much now was people would ask me about the miracles, the miracles of Christ, or, or say, the appearances of the Virgin Mary at Fatima or something like this, uh, if those are indeed legitimate, of course, right. and I have no doubt they are. Uh, it takes faith, a certain amount of faith to believe that. Uh, is that, um, can that be uh, analyzed in the viewpoint of the paranormal? And uh, in a way, you know, I, I never would touch that because I, I would respect them too much, but I think if you respect them, you also can, I mean, God follows his own laws, you know, True. and uh, it's the laws that, that are that can be hard to take sometimes, such as multiverse and all this quantum physics and things of this kind. But if you look at the Fatima miracle and Lourdes as well, where great, uh, uh, very famous appearances of the Virgin Mary allegedly occurred, again, I believe that they did. But th- those, if you go back in time, uh, the two gr- the grottoes where these occurred were known by to the to the people and the pagans before them as fairy caves. There was uh, an explosion of paranormal activity from time to time in those areas. There was a Bigfoot sighting near the Fatima event in the late 19th century. I mean, huh. things of this kind, you know. Again, this is just what we're talking about in, from the earlier question. But, of course, it doesn't have anything to do with diet. So did the, uh, the, the, the children who saw the Virgin Mary at Fatima, did they... Not eat meat. I mean, I, I don't think that was the case. I've seen these things manifest to various kinds of people of many different educational uh, backgrounds, many different professional backgrounds, well-educated, not educated, uh, even illiterate or, or extremely literate, you know, university professors, regardless of diet. So I think there is a difference here, you know. Um, I know that you are a vegetarian. Yes. You know, well, and well, what, uh, what do you have to say about it? Um, you know, being a vegetarian is, people think it, you're healthier. You're really not. You, you have less, less op- options to feel full. So that's, that's, that's what I learned over, over my five years of being a vegetarian. Um, when I actually did pay attention to my diet and actually did care about what I was putting into my body... I did. I did sort of find that it was easier to sort of pay attention to what was going on. But then, um, 
it, it's it's a discipline in and of itself to make sure that you get the right nutrients and all that. And I think any sort of discipline that you follow um, really sort of opens up your mind to different things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do we have a caller? No. Somebody just uh, wrote to me here that they're on the phone. All right. Well, if you're listening to the show, uh, it's 800-449-1240. Or if you want to try, because people have been calling, but when they do call, all I hear is our show, and that's it. When I say hello, all I hear is us talking. Well, that's weird. Yes, it is. Uh, You think we're being harassed by the government or something? No. No, I don't think you should jump to conclusions, because that's been happening for... A little while. I, I don't know what it is. Simply the question. Yes. Well, just tell them to call seven seven six two one two four zero. All right. You can also call four zero one. Oh, you just said it. Four zero one seven six two seven six two one two four zero. Oh, sorry. That's the business line. Sorry. Seven six six one two four zero. All right. Now we think we've succeeded in confusing everyone. Right. So yeah, number to call seven six six one two four zero. So area code four zero one. Or from anywhere in the USA or Canada, eight hundred four four nine one two four zero. There you have it. Okay, what's our next question? Uh, oh, this one's actually for me. It's like Christmas. Uh, Samantha from uh, Temp- Tempe. You mean I can Arizona? get away with giving you questions for Christmas? Okay. Uh, no, because I'd question you on your questions. Ah. Uh, so Samantha writes to us, I have a question for Ben. How do you deal so calmly with the paranormal? I would be uh, scared to death. Uh, my parents are also, are, are also scared, and they are no help when I get scared from watching movies. Okay. Well, uh, let's see if this is our caller. Hmm? There we are. So in any case, yeah, we'll get back to our questions in just a moment. And I think we have Tanya Bowman on the phone. And Oh, no. Well, well t- tell her to call back really quickly. And okay, uh, I'm probably just... It's probably because uh, her radio is up in the background or something, and that's why I kept hearing that. And so it's way too loud for her. Okay. So, All right. So you just, just put down the volume. Put down the volume. We often hear that on talk shows. People have the radio on while they call. And then we will get feedback and then echoing, and it'll just, yes. it'll just be bad. Exactly. It'll okay. just be really bad. So in any case... Now that uh, we've solved that mystery... Yes. So if you want to try to answer the question about why you are not afraid. I could, and I will. Uh, I don't know. I just take it in stride. Usually things that happen on cases are usually really, really quick. Yeah. So there's really no point in even bothering to prepare yourself. It's like going on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know something's going to happen, but it's just like, if you tense up, usually you're more likely to be terrified by it. Well, that's true. And one of the things I love to hear also that that, that would perhaps accompany that feeling of, of calmness is that people come up to me and say, gee, you know, when I look at it from this point of view... I feel that I understand it, and if I understand it, I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. Uh, now, there are plenty of things you should be afraid of, or at least should be cautious about. However, I get the point. I think it's important to look at this not as, as uh, nasty spirits of the dead trying to get you and this sort of thing, uh, but as something that is, that is very uh, understandable, reasonable, part of nature, and uh, there are dangers there, but it's also something you can understand. You don't have to be as afraid as afraid of the bear, say, or the mountain lion, if you understand what they are and what to do to uh, protect yourself from them. So, uh, in any case, uh, I think we finally have our caller here, and uh, we'll get to her in a minute. So, again, I think uh, that 
not to speak for my son, but I think that's been something that Ben has been uh, very aware of and has been able to, uh, to deal with because he's heard it all his life. So I think that that's probably about it. But again, there is nothing to be afraid of. Okay. Oh, yes. That's right. And we do indeed have Tanya with us. Oh, Tanya, welcome aboard finally. Hi. Yeah, I've just been listening. Okay. Well, we we uh, introduced you earlier in the show in hopes of your call. So uh, what's cooking down there in West Virginia? What uh, I understand you have a new book out. Well, yeah. Well, it's not new, new. It's um, actually Visitors from Landulus has been released in two forms. Um, it's been released uh, in paperback and um, with all of the extra information that I added to it. And then the original version has been re- re-released in paperback. Okay. What do you Hang got in on, the background? They need to turn that down. Uh, and yeah. Your co-author? Nice. Pardon me? I see your co-author. You have a co-author? No, actually, um, the author is my dad. Oh, okay. The publisher is, is Saucerian Press, Andy Colvin, um, and I got together on this project. Oh, okay. Andy's been on the show, too. He had one yeah. of the few positive Mothman experiences. Yeah. And uh, just yeah. to correct you from earlier, I'm from Parkersburg. I'm not from Point Pleasant. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, yes, there, there is, uh, we, we noticed we were there somewhat of uh, a jovial rivalry between Parkersburg and Point Pleasant about whether... You know, these, um, yeah, actually, who was the first who had the Mothman experience? You know? Yeah, and actually, I just moved back to Parkersburg after spending a year and a half in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Well, we love Parkersburg. It's a beautiful town. We haven't been there yeah. in quite a few years, but it's been 11 years, I think, uh, actually. Uh, but in any case, we, uh, it did explain who your dad was and, and what he went through. And uh, can you tell us a little right. bit more about the book and where people can get it? Um. The original version is available uh, both on Kindle and through me on eBay. I only have five copies left, and if they want to get them, get it from me. And they actually had people ask me to autograph them. I'll be more than happy to. Yeah. But they can order them directly through me um, on eBay. The only way the one with the uh, with the additional material is available right now is through me on eBay. Okay. So if they just look up visitors from Landulus on eBay, they'll they'll find me. Maybe you better spell that. <laughs> visitors from Landulus. Yes. Well, visitors we can manage, but what, what the Landulus? What? L-A-N, how do you spell? L A N U L O S. Okay. Good. Very good. Yeah. Or they can they can contact me directly at B O W M A N. M-K-T-G at yahoo.com. Okay. So what else is going on? Not much. Okay. um, Well, no news is good news. Huh? No news is good news. No news is good news. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm getting a divorce. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to get into that on the air. You might have legal problems. But um, no. Okay. I well, I, I well hope that works out. But uh, yeah. Tanya, thanks. Well, thanks for the information. Mark, and uh, again, we're going to have you back, back uh, when we have more um, more bookings available. We get um, interesting book yeah, and interesting background. Yeah, but they make great Christmas presents. And like I said, I only have a few copies left. So if somebody even wants to just email me directly and ask for a copy, they're twenty five dollars a copy. 
Okay. I'll get them right out to them. All right. Just and actually, while we have you, why don't you just, can you briefly describe what happened with your father and, and uh, the whole, that whole aspect of the Mothman situation in the 60s? It, well, the Mothman really, Dad really didn't have any direct correlation with the Mothman. That was just kind of all written in the book because John Keel was, was investigating the Mothman at the same time as he was in, investigating Dad's sighting. So that's how that all got thrown together. Well, I, um, well, but, well, as we always say, that we believe there's always some connection in, in uh, particular areas. But whatever, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right, yeah. But yeah, Dad got pulled over on the side of the road by a, a UFO, and um, a man got out and uh, communicated with my father through actually through mental telepathy and asked what the lights beyond the hill were and he said it was a city called Park, called Parkersburg and he had a little discussion with Indrid and Indrid left and Indrid came back to our farmhouse several times and we found ourselves having to move quite a few times. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm still working on my own book which is due out in March of 2015 called Beyond Lanulus. Mm. And on my, what I remember from growing up. And, uh, because we had, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with voices outside, men with guns in, in the trees waiting for the spacemen. And little did they know that the spacemen walked technically right, cat right through the crowd and nobody knew it was them. Yeah. They came okay. to their house several times and. Yeah, could, could you speak directly into the phone, please? You're, you're kind of fading out here. This often happens. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I'm on, a, I'm on a lousy cell phone. Okay. All right, very good. But, um, okay. Well, yeah, Tanya, that, that, that's fantastic. We're going to have you back real soon, and um, have a great Thanksgiving, okay. and uh, we'll we'll you talk too. to you soon. Yeah, buy some books, guys. Okay, <laughs> you got okay. it. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, Tanya Bowman. Uh, oh, dear. My mic. Oh, drop the ball. Okay. The mic. All right. Yeah, it's kind of loose here. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the next question. If you're finished answering the one uh, having to do with how you deal with things that are really strange. Uh, all right. Actually, Ben's going to tighten my mic here. Okay, that's fine. Great. Thank you. All right. And uh, we're still continuing with our Facebook law, you see. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Yeah, no, I think people make a big deal about things that are entirely natural. Okay. Whoa. What's our next one, then? Okay, next one is uh, Mark from Doesn't Say Where. So Mark writes to us, I know uh, you don't have much respect for uh, psychics and mediums, and that they are a dime a dozen, but do you think all of them are fakes or are uh, being deceived by parasites? Are things like spirit guides and ex- the experiences of uh, Edgar Cayce are, are, are all uh, false? Uh, could some messages be f- uh, from aliens be real? Well, that's certainly a good question. Uh, in, in our skepticism about that, we often will brush off things that maybe we should consider more seriously. However, you know, I think he's right. I mean, you, you could you could stand on a street corner and throw a rocks uh, for five minutes, and you'd hit twenty five people who think they're psychic or, or psychics or mediums, and maybe half of them are actually trying to make money at it. Right now, as to start at the beginning, I man, as we often say, uh, everyone is quote unquote psychic. 
which to us is the ability to see things from the parallel worlds where we're all living, as we described earlier. And that is a natural uh, survival instinct as part of our uh, human makeup. And in other words, as we always say, if, if you were, if our remote ancestors were standing on a plane and they didn't see the saber-toothed cat hiding in the grass, thinking about them for, on the menu, then we never would have survived. The feeling of being watched, the feeling that there's something wrong, the feeling of danger, the feeling of strange presences, I think this is all part of our survival instinct. Right? And certainly animals have that. If you look at your cat or dog, or even your parakeet or horse, uh, you'll see that they have similar reactions. They seem to know when there's someone around that, that cannot be perceived with the five generally acknowledged physical senses. Okay, so, so as far as that goes, uh, being psychic, if you want to consider that psychic, is a normal part of all of us. Uh, but the question is, some people seem to be, uh, do some people have a more ability in that direction than others? Well, uh, I might have a talent that you don't have, and you certainly have talents that I don't have. Maybe you can play the guitar. Ben plays the bass. Uh, I wouldn't know the first thing to do with it except listen to it. Yeah. And so that's sort of thing. People have different talents. So it stands to reason that some people would be more, quote, psychic than others. Uh, now, psychic and, and medium, psychics and mediums are not the same. Psychics are people who can simply perceive things. Uh, mediums are people who supposedly can actually communicate with what they believe is the dead or, or with uh, sometimes a spirit guides or whatever terms you want to mention that our, our letter writer here has suggested uh, may or may not be real. So uh, one of the dangers, it's, it's a matter of being cautious uh, the, what I always say is I don't trust half the people I meet on the street. And you can't assume that whatever is being said to you in any kind of communication of this kind. And we're going to have Roland Comtois on in a few weeks. He's uh, from Woonsocket, Rhode Island here, and he is a well-known uh, psychic and medium. And we're going to talk about all this. So keep an eye on our promos on our website for when it's going to be. It's going to be next month. And the question is, you know, I don't believe any of these things until I'm really certain. And I am not one who talks to, you know, spirit guides or anything like that. Although, in the course of our paranormal work, given the viewpoint we take, which is that we're not dealing with spirits, we're dealing with um, parallel realities in which there are different people or different kinds of, of, li of life forms uh, who are neighbors, so to speak, many of whom seem to come from worlds where it's normal to talk to multiversal neighbors, um, I'm still, you know, I'm always very cautious and very wary. So I think, sure, some of these things are legitimate and some are not. The question is, how do you judge? And, and should you even accept them for what, um, what they, they, they claim to be? And I, don't, I think there's a big, a big question mark there. Uh, we have a call from Bill from Franklin, Massachusetts. Bill, how are you this evening? Okay, do you consider déjà vu uh, the same kind of thing? Yeah, kind of in a way. Uh, déjà vu, if, if people don't know, is uh, the phenomenon whereby you walk into a room or you're with people and you feel you have a certainty that it's it's like a memory that yeah. that you've like, been like there when before. It hits me, like when it when it hits me, uh, I'll I'll think everything in the room is in the exact spot that that it should be, and, and I'm supposed to be walking in here at this very moment, and then it's gone. Yes. Yes, that, that's right. Uh, well, we've kind of developed it to the point uh, where we make it last a little bit. <laughs> 
you know, because we, we paid some attention to that. Uh, what I think is happening is that I've often found that I have, have dreamed it beforehand, because I, I keep real very serious track of, of dreams. I have a whole notebook. I have pages and pages of notes. I told, I told you about my dreams that, that actually came true. Yes, you did. Well, why don't you yeah. remind us? Yeah. Well, what, what was that? I, I remember, but maybe people who are listening didn't hear My neighbor, it. before she passed away, uh, I, I used to help her feed, feed the cats and everything. Yeah. And, then, and I, was, I was walking back at night, and it was... It was, like in my dream, it was like three galaxies in the in the sky. Yes. And then when when I actually was coming coming home home night and looking up the sky, it was Jupiter, Mars, and Venus. Oh, there you go. So so, so, so the dream actually came true. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is happening, at least in many cases, is that you actually are having that experience in a parallel life, and you somehow just make the connection. You know, maybe because oh, yeah. it's because it's so similar. You know, so I think that uh, it's generally. Um, that, that's pretty much uh, pretty much how it works, I think. Anyway, uh, some people have never had the deja vu experience. Others have uh, I, have it very frequently. I haven't recently. I haven't recently, but I, but I, but I, but I have have had several. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, us too. Okay. Joe well, Ferrier. Good point, Bill. And uh, thanks for the call. And Joe Ferrier has had a few too. Oh yeah, that's right. Joe used to tell us sometimes. Yeah. 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 Very good. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for the thanks for the call. Okay. Bye. Okay. Yeah, uh, Joe Ferrier being a deceased uh, friend, very dear friend of ours, very dear friend to many in in our area, uh, who was uh, a very great uh, UFO expert in the 1960s. And we were talking with Tim Beckley, um, uh, who still is a uh, well-known UFO expert, probably probably the most uh, well-known, mm. uh, who was here in the studio, came all the way up from New York uh, to be with us, and uh, knew Joe Ferrier. And he they said, said he, he, uh, he sat in the studio with him. That's right. It was 50 okay. years before yeah. he was on our show. He had been right here at WOON, and he'd been with Joe Ferrier, uh, who was a, this is a sort of a really beloved figure in town here. So mm. uh, that's who uh, uh, Bill is referring to. So, but again, thanks for the call, Bill. Yeah, deja vu is a good question. Now, you know, where does that fit in this whole scenario? And I think it actually fits very well. Uh, it's a uh, an accepted phenomenon whereby I think we're experiencing uh, parallel situations you know mm. so or anyway so i guess uh, we're just about done with our our questions here ben any final thoughts before we uh, move on uh no okay <laughs> well we do remind you that after our show uh we have the boston bruins we'll be playing i have no idea <laughs> usually i keep track of that but stay tuned for the bruins game after our show here and um certainly we ask you to um stay tuned and our podcast we try to get up within 24 hours we have over 600 uh, free podcasts uh, at our show website behind the paranormal.com yes uh that's the uh, that's a lot of a lot of podcasts on there not only from uh, ON 1240 but also our four and a half year run on CBS uh, radio as well and don't forget about our books you can find them on Amazon and uh, Kindle and Barnes and Noble uh, Nook, and you can also buy them directly from BehindTheParanormal.com, and my dad will sign them for you, which is a rare opportunity, especially if you can read his handwriting, <laughs> um, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free while trying to decipher his hieroglyphics. Also on our site, uh, you will find direct links to several charities that uh, my dad and myself have adopted, including USA Cares, a Canadian Veterans Advocacy, as well as... Uh, the uh, Youth Mentoring uh, Center, the YMC, in Los Angeles, uh, doing amazing things for at-risk youth. That's www.youthmentoring.org. And Ben and I, of course, working on our book, uh, Cosmic Journey. 
Behind the Paranormal with a uh, preface by Stanton Friedman, and hopefully that'll be out next year, uh, as soon as possible anyway. Uh, we're still working on it, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully f- going to finish it up by the end of this year. So uh, next Monday, December 1st, right here Today on Today is Owen. December 1st. No, today's not December 1st. Today's not 1st. December 1st. Are well, we having I a time slip experience right here on the no, air? No, no, because we were supposed to have the guy on for cattle mutilations, but I thought that was until the 15th, unless this is a different guy. No, oh, I think it guy. is a different guy. Well, we'll just have our mystery... Our, th- our mystery guest. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that embarrassing? Well, we'll just, uh, again, check our site. We'll, we'll have a great guest That's next why I, week. I thought today was the first. I was like, oh, wait, is it the first? No. No, we haven't even had Thanksgiving. Maybe it's deja vu. Or, Maybe. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll uh, leave you this evening with a thoughtful thought from American cycle racer Jamie Polinetti. Limitations live only in our minds, but if we use our imaginations, our possibilities become limitless. I'm Paul Eno, wishing our American listeners a wonderful and fruitful Thanksgiving this week. And I'm Ben Eno, and doing the same. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.